this week on It's So Bad. Prepare to die! It is Dark Souls. Chris, hello. I'm back, Jack. I'm back. Sam, hello. Hey. Chris, it's been a while, hasn't it? I know. I missed a, missed a few weeks. You have not been here in a month. Well, well, well I, was, I was on assignment. Is that the longest Is that Holy the longest shit. stretch you've not potted uh, on this podcast? Oh, definitely. Probably. Yeah, I'm letting, uh, Steve, I'm letting you catch up to uh, how many appearances I have in this podcast. <laughs> Were you just playing Fire Emblem Heroes the whole time? Oh, it's all about the Godzilla battle line now on the mobile front. So, so, uh, so Chris, gross. I'm going to need you to take uh, a few more weeks off if you want me to catch up. So, uh. <laughs> I'm, uh, 300, I'm, I'm 389th in the world in a game with about 200,000 active players. So, so there you oh. go. Wow, you well, go. look at this guy. But why aren't you top 100? Well, I'm climbing. I'm climbing, you know. All right, all right. It's good yeah. to have goals. Are are you a whale? How much money have you spent on this? I'm not a whale. I do spend five dollars <laughs> for the pass, but uh, I'm definitely not a whale. the The top 100 is all whales. It's really something. All right. Well, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on on the Twitter at It's So Bad Pod. This week we are adding a special one. I think one of our probably most requested games to go on to the endless list in terms of our. Uh, crew here uh, it's dark souls the from software game published by namco bandai in 2011 uh the same year as what games came out in 2011 skyrim arkham city portal 2 uncharted 3 dead space 2 limbo a lot of good games came out that year kind of like the like probably like the peak of the ps3 slash xbox 360 yeah i remember i had just gotten a new xbox 360 because my other one uh red ring of death before that and i played skyrim and arkham city that year and i was i was very happy to be back on the, mm. the console scene with those with those two and this game was originally on the ps3 and the xbox 360 um but now you can find it pretty much everywhere even the switch is where i first played this game and we have a <laughs> A lot of playthroughs cumulatively among us. So I did probably about a one and a half now after I just beat uh, the Artorius dog there. What's his name? Ray, oh, Gray Wolf. Sif. Sif. Yeah. Or Sif. a good boy. Very good boy. The good boy. Um, so I've done one and a half. Steve, how many playthroughs have you done of Dark Souls? I've done... So I started it up the other day. I played a little bit of it, and I originally played it back in, like, 2012 uh, for, like, a few hours, but I've done, aside from those, I've done two full playthroughs. Sam, how many have you done? Four-ish? Five-ish? I don't know. Wherever you can first start to lose track, that that (laughs) amount. Um, I think the only game that I've maybe played four times was uh, Link to the Past. I think it's the only one. Oh, maybe on Super Mario Brothers, because I, I play shit out. I play it all the yeah, time. Yeah, time. this and Super Metroid, in terms of number of playthroughs, are probably pretty close for me. And Chris, you've played through a third of it. <laughs> yes, but I also had never played the game until until basically two two weeks ago. So, so yes, this is a brand new and one. and you made the call. But, you know, in terms of playthroughs, I have beaten Final Fantasy IV, 
probably two dozen times. So, so there you go. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> well, listen, everyone else had um, some had some playthroughs they wanted to talk about. So, I have a thirty day streak in Wordle right now. <laughs> Uh, that was a tough word today. Um, I won't say what the word is, but I saw there was a bunch of people on Twitter that lost their like huge streaks. I mean, it's not going to be the word of the day anymore by the time it's airs. That's true. But you know, that's true. Wordle. Uh, that's true. It was. I think was it shake or something like that. Was the wordle? Yeah, it was word? shake. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And like everybody of... was was getting getting all the words except for the second to last or the last consonant. Are we going to review Wordle on this podcast when it hits five years old? But in five years, it will not be relevant at all, <laughs> at what, whatsoever. I give it another like three months. But it'll be relevant on this podcast because we're doing all the games, including Wordle. So we'll be making it yeah. relevant. The the renaissance of Wordle will be in five years. Yeah. Well, this game, uh, Dark Souls, was created by Hidetaka Miyazaki, um, directed and produced by him. His first credit was on Armored Core Last Raven. Anybody play any Armored Core games? Because he was on a bunch of them. Armored Core 4, Armored Core 4 Answer, um, before he started in a Soul series. Was no, I never played them. There was one on PlayStation, the original PlayStation, right? Yeah, he did the ones that were the first one he did was on PS2. Oh, but, uh, I think I've only played the, the original one of the original PlayStation ones. I think. Yeah, From Software is known for Armored Core and the Souls series now, and also of obviously Sekiro now and Bloodborne and all that. But they're originally known for Armored Core. Um, the other uh, franchise that they did previous to Dark Souls and Demon Souls was uh, what was it? Kingsfield. Kingsfield. Yeah. yeah, so they did four of those games, and Demon Souls was originally supposed to be a spiritual successor to Kingsfield, um, which is kind of reminds me of like an Elder Scrolls game, because it's first person, and you're going through a dungeon, but it's the combat is, is deliberate like Dark Souls, um, and it's kind of got some of the trappings like, like the Demon Souls and Dark Souls, like the life and mana and the health and the RPG system. Yeah, I've never played that game, but I was watching some some Dark Souls videos earlier, and they were comparing it to to those games. Um, it looked almost like Doom a little bit, but like more kind of explory and not a lot of combat. It seemed like just kind of you're wandering around sure. trying to open up different areas. Um, yeah, you can see the connection though, like to Demon Souls and then Dark Souls. Yeah, there's also like even things like herbs, for example, <laughs> are in. Uh, Kingsfield, that's how you heal yourself, uh, like in Demon Souls. Um, but yeah, so he, Hidetaka uh, Miyazaki went on to do, I believe, uh, he created Demon Souls, which was a spiritual successor to Kingsfield. Um, one of the things I found out about it, by the way, we've been talking about the Moonlight weapons that are in every one of these Souls games. Um, there is a, the original Moonlight weapon was the Sword of Moonlight. And it was the developer tool to create the 3D environments in Kingsfield. That's what they called it, the Sword of Moonlight. Oh, interesting. And then that just became enshrined in Souls lore for evermore yes. after that. Interesting. Wow. Yes. Um, the Kingsfield games also, uh, two, so the original Kingsfield game was never released outside of Japan. Two and three were released, and four. Four is now P the PS2 one is uh like 150 dollars if you want a copy on ebay it's ridiculous and it's really it seems like it's really slow and monotonous and not fun to play <laughs> so um but yeah um went on to create demon souls demons so the reason why they made dark souls instead of demon souls is because sony owned the ip 
um, for Demon Souls. Uh, they funded that game originally, um, and then it, it came out eventually on Xbox 360. Um, uh, no, Dark Souls would come out on Xbox 360 because Sony didn't want to pay for um, a second game in the Demon Souls series, so they made Dark Souls instead, which is basically the same game, <laughs> except they made they made some minor changes. Um, what are those changes from Demon Souls? You guys have played Demon Souls, right? Yep. Yeah. So one is kind of the world that you're in in Demon Souls. You like go to these. Uh, Archstones, so there's five archstones, and you kind of just teleport to your various world that you're going to. Um, and the other big change is the healing system. So you were talking about the herbs. Um, so like in Demon Souls, you have these herbs that you get, and they're consumable items to heal, and you have to like always be finding them or like grinding for them. Um, whereas in Dark Souls, you just get a flask of Estus, Estus juice, I guess. Um, and then you just like get five to, I think up to 20 uses of it. And you just have that amount to like heal with per life. Yeah. So, uh, they would go on to bring back the herb system kind of in Bloodborne. Um, and I think I prefer Estus to the herb system overall. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've only have to grind it. I've only played Demon Souls, the remake that just came out on PS5, which was great. Um, but like it's built on the bones of the original Demon Souls, so you can feel that old, that old 2009 gameplay under like the nice new coat of paint. Um, yeah, and then Dark Souls. The, another difference, obviously, is you know rather than that hub world, you have kind of an open world that you can slowly unlock as you move through it, and um, you know there's like some quality of life. Like the the gameplay is a little faster and a little smoother. Um, the bonfire checkpoint system, though, that like goes along with the difference in the map, where you know and you get the archstones like it's kind of sets you up with one area that you explore and you get to like area two and there's an archstone that is right at the beginning of it as opposed to in dark souls you get these bonfires that are kind of like spaced evenly apart just to the kind of like point where like you're stressed and you're like oh man i'm running out of running out of estus i've fought a lot of enemies like i don't want to lose any of these souls that i've accumulated because that's how i upgrade um and then like the bonfire like appears right at the perfect time basically and they serve as these checkpoints and it's like this huge emotional relief when you get to one you're like oh man because the game is you know obviously famously tough um so like that that kind of like system with the bonfires and the tension and the open worlds that you're kind of unlocking as you go and the bosses in between kind of like i think it's the the you know vastly improved version of the uh, the demon souls version to begin with where it's like the hub world and you you do one area and you get to a boss at the end and then you do the next area and you get to the boss at the end um so yeah just kind of set yeah. the tone going forward yeah yeah the the map is sort of like the extension of like what a metroidvania map is like it kind of loops back on itself there's shortcuts you can unlock um so you can like end up you know starting from the same bonfire uh, multiple times throughout the game, like even early game and late game, but like just kind of going in a different direction from there. Yeah, the um, I think the, just the design of the, the the level design in this game is like second to none um, in terms of how everything interconnects. Um, but I think Miyazaki said that he wanted to make the game difficult so as to heighten the sense of accomplishment, but also to increase the amount of dread you experience when you explore a new area. So it's like that tension of like when is the bonfire coming where is the next bonfire and you want to get there before you um because you're accumulating souls and if you die you lose all your souls and souls is what you use to level up 
So um, it's very it's it's very cool that tension, um, and also just the, in terms of how everything is, like even going off of Firelink, you can get very easily to like five different places on in the game. Yep. Like it's like right there. Like you can go to Undead Parish, you can go to Undead Burg, you can go to the place with the ghosts. I forget what that place is called. Oh, the, New, Londo New Londo Ruins. Yeah, New Londo Ruins. New Londo, New Londo Ruins. You can go to the Catacombs. Mm-hmm. It's all right there off of there. And you can even get to Valley of Drakes and Blight Town very easily from there as well. So it's very cool how that is like seamlessly um, all together. I think at this time period, too, if you think about the games that were coming out, they all had probably a lot of load screens. <laughs> and this game is like there's no load screens because you're just slowly mm-hmm. jaunting through this world. Yeah, I think they like load one area and maybe as you approach one, they start to load it, but it's all very seamless. Um, the other cool thing about the map is that you can like see other areas from where you are. So like you can just see Anne Orlando like way in the distance from, um, I, I don't know where exactly, but like other parts of the map. And you can see like the Undead Burg when you're um, kind of like in, I think, the Darkroot Basin or something. Um, it's very cool to just like get that sense of the world and like the scale of it. Yeah, and how everything is actually connected, mm-hmm. except for for some reason the beginning, the asylum, um, the undead asylum that you start off at is like the starter place that you have to get to from uh, the bird. And also, <laughs> like, uh, Tutorial really Island. And, uh, every like M- MMORPG, it's like Tutorial Island. You know, stretch it there, then clear a little tutorial task, and then they uh, ship you off. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, this guy on YouTube, Ashen One, has a lot of cool videos about the map and, like, the technology that they use to, like, you know, show stuff that's far away at, like, a lower resolution and, like, with less detail. Um, and he does a lot of stuff where he, like, leaves his corpse behind and then will go somewhere else and then see if it's, like, accurate where he actually left it to where it's shown from super far away. interesting interesting yeah yeah and it's cool i mean we were kind of touching on this before but like the way the whole level interconnects like that sense of tension and dread that you feel as you're playing like you'll explore an area and you'll know that like okay there's like two bonfires in here and i know that like it's not exactly a linear path but i know i need to go through this area to get to this other area and so you work your way through it and you become familiar with it and then maybe you know a couple hours get passed by in the game and you unlock a door and suddenly you're back at like two previous areas and this shortcuts opened up that allows you to skip all of that and just you know that that sense of like oh my god thank god i don't have to go through there anymore and it just unlocks another part of your brain the way same way it's unlocking another part of your map and it's like okay well now i can go to these other areas and that just like slowly little by little the whole map opens up as your character levels up as you get new gear as you get new you know new magic if you're playing with that um and just like more knowledge about the game too to like you know a point where it's very very daunting earlier on and you feel like you're kind of trapped and like you have to fight for every inch forward um and you like it lends itself to a very cautious style of gameplay if you're new to it too because you're like you play with your shield up and you're like tackling each enemy one at a time so it's like it can be a grind to get through places so that like sense of relief when you're like okay i got a bonfire and there's a shortcut here i can do this whole new way it's just like it's that sense of accomplishment each time it's just like wow i survived i'm good enough now (laughs) to progress in this game and you feel like you really earned it yeah Yeah. i mean that's i feel like that's really what the design loop or game loop is is just 
be challenged and then like be really pumped when you actually can get past something like there were so many times where a boss just seems so impossible but you're the exact right level to fight the boss and like you can beat it you just like haven't figured out how to yet yeah, I didn't. Yeah, but they do they, they they do give you that option though if you want to grind and do a little bit more damage or have like a little bit more health or a little bit more stamina, you can always grind out a level and uh, or a level or two and then see if you can challenge it, which is like a classic RPG thing of making kind of leveling the playing field a little bit. It helps you practice and it also helps you get improve your stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the. It's interesting, like, the grinding for souls thing, because the game only has one currency that's used for everything. Um, Like, you just have souls, you buy items with souls, you level up with souls, you upgrade your weapons largely with souls, like, with some other items, too, but it still costs souls. Chris, were you going to say something? Yeah, it kind of, like, it was, um, I guess the thing I liked about it, and then... Yeah, I don't know. What I liked about it, but also was a little bit weird, is that like I didn't feel like I was playing a game where I was like progressing a story because there's like a lot of lore, like lots of lore, but like there's not a lot of story happening to your character, at least from what I played. Like your character is just kind of experiencing this world and backstory and lore, but like not really as you progress, you're not so much hitting any story beats. But at the same time, too, what I liked about it was that like it felt like a series of challenges, like one after a row, like another. And I felt like, yeah, that sense of accomplishment, like when you hit a brick wall, but then you finally overcome it. It was like, good. It's like, I feel like I just beat a challenge. Now it's on to the next one. But I never got the sense that I was like progressing a narrative uh, yeah. in that sense. I feel like I feel like the, the story in this game is like digging a hole in a frozen ground. It's like you're just slowly but surely... Uh, digging up little bits every time you play this game. And it's like, it has like a very deep story and there is a shitload of lore. But on the surface, when you're first playing this game, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't understand why I'm doing this, why I'm progressing. Uh, you have some vague notion that you have to ring two bells. And like, you, I, when I first played, I was like, I just hope they kind of point me in the direction of ringing these two bells because I have no idea what I'm doing. It, and they did. They, I mean, they lay it out. They lay out the levels it, pretty well to get you where you need to go. But yeah, it's it's funny though because like I had the exact same reaction the first time I played, and it was actually a huge turnoff for me. Like I was like did not into this game for many many years after I first played it because. Someone told me that it was exactly like Skyrim, and if I liked Skyrim, I'd like this game. And I played it, and I was like, what the hell? And so I had no other context going into it. And I was just like, nope, not for me. No, thank you. And I put it away for, you know, eight years or something like that until I picked it up uh, early in the pandemic when I suddenly had lots of time to game. Um, But yeah, it's it's interesting the way that, like, (sighs) the story seems so vague and obtuse when you first hear it. And, and it is, because it's just kind of like, well, there are dragons, and there was dark, and then there was fire, and there were these people, wait, and wait, they wait. had a war. Wait, 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 wait. What's that? At first, at first there was no light. Oh, there we go. Then, then <laughs> came the fire. The mortal, mortal attracted to the light of the fire became gods. The mortals who were attracted to the light of the fire became gods. The furtive pygmy found the dark soul. Gwyn found the light soul. Nido found the death soul. The witch of Isolith found the life soul. Uh, this newfound power gave them the opportunity to cha- to become kings and challenge the rulers of the world, which were the arch dragons. The arch dragons um, were immortals 
who were invincible. Um, but Seath was uh, a traitor, and he told Gwyn their secret, which was light could pierce their hide, and then that's what they did. They used lightning bolts to pierce their hide, and Nido killed them somehow with death, and then uh, the Witch of Izalith used fire to burn them. But meanwhile, the pygmy split the Dark Soul amongst into humanity, which became the basis for... Um, the humanity is like, I don't really understand, but it's a thing that feeds the fire. And then that's where I get lost. See, so like, I, <laughs> yeah, know so, exactly, so... I, I know exactly what you were talking about, everything there, and it still sounded ridiculous to me. And like a five-year-old <laughs> had just written a story and was like, and then the furtive pygmy stole the soul. And you're like, what? Who? What? It's just like, it just jumps all over the place. Uh, and that being said... Yeah, back... they tell you that... <laughs> oh, sorry. What? Oh, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. That being said, it is amazing how much of this game, like the story that they reveal to you, is just kind of like plainly spoken like that, even as ridiculous it is, and it feels very vague and obtuse and like, what? What's going on? But like, I even noticed with like the crestfallen knight, who's the guy at Firelink when you first get there. So he tells you about the bells, and he's like, "Go ring these two bells." And you're like, "Okay." Uh, I guess I got to go ring these two bells, but there's not a lot of more explanation. But if you keep talking to him, he like does give you a little bit more context and he tells you the way to go. And it's just funny the way like to the to your you know metaphor about digging a hole in the cold ground. Like if you have to keep digging and keep talking to the same guy over and over again or like reading the little minute item descriptions, but it does tell you the story. And then it also tells you about the environment as you go along. Um, mm -hmm. And you know the the story is very lore heavy and it's not extremely coherent, but it does, or maybe not coherent is the right word, but it's not like you know your typical narrative. Um, but it is interesting, like just how much they they like feed you the story kind of plainly as you go along if you know how to look for it. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's I, a ton of environmental storytelling too. I mean, I was like, I watched a Vati shout out to Vati Vidya on YouTube, um, a Vati. Um, a lore video where they were talking about Gwyn's son and I didn't really notice it when I was first playing it, but there are statues of Gwyn and his two daughters. Um, and then there's a statue that's missing and it's a statue of his son that is not there. And like, that's the type of stuff that's like in the game. It's like all environmental type stuff. Yeah. And then there's that broken statue near like the sunlight shrine, which is presumably the same person too. Yeah, it's his. It, well, it's his wife and and a baby, and yeah. that's how you know it was, a, it was a boy. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, and then that whole like explanation he made that a five year old said about the souls and the pygmy and stuff, like that's the opening cinematic, right? Right, right. And then it's just not really relevant at <laughs> all to what you're actually playing, which is like really weird that you don't really see. Like you meet Seath later in the game. Um, you fight the Witch of Isolith as the Bed of Chaos. You fight Nito, but like they're very far into the game when you actually fight them. When that opening cinematic makes like, I mean, yeah, honestly, I what, forgot about it, it by the time I got there. It's, it's not even connected to what the story of the game is. Is you're an un, you're undead who's awakened, and you're going to become. You want to relight the fire maybe i don't really well it's it's connected what? it's not it's not accurate to say it's not connected but it is just kind of like background for what you're doing and you could miss all of that and like play through the game and just be like i'm a undead guy with a sword and i'm fighting these bosses and like not yeah, really right exactly um because like yeah you know seeth you meet later 
you know, you eventually, spoilers, but you fight Gwyn as the final boss. It's all about rekindling the flame and everything. Like, you encounter all of those characters. Maybe not really the Furtive Pygmy. I guess those are the, the humans, are like the offspring of the Furtive Pygmy or whatever. Um, so it, it matters, I, but it doesn't matter, like, in a like very obvious narrative way, the same way in a game like this. Yeah, I think right. the Ringed City in Dark Souls 3 is related to the Furtive Pygmy. Pygmy right. Yep. Right? Yeah, that's like the lost city of humanity, basically, or something uh, that the furtive pygmy was the founder of, or something. It's yeah. What does furtive mean, by the way? Isn't it sneaky? Mean, yeah, like sneaky or like uh, cautious, maybe isn't baked in there. Let's look it up. Furtive. But there's a. I feel like there's a lot of like storytelling that's used in this game in order to fit into what the seams of the gameplay of what they wanted to play make. Like, they didn't have the story first, and then they made gameplay, I don't think. I think they made the story based upon what the gameplay is. That's what it feels that's, like, at least. That's, yeah, that yeah there's probably... True. Yeah, it was probably just a series of, like, storyboards and ideas they had that are just like, oh, all this stuff is cool, let's try to fit it together. Because so there's the, a lot of, like, <laughs> foreign lands that you don't see but you hear about. Like, there's, like... Oswald of Kareem. Like, where the fuck is Kareem? No one knows. No one knows what it right. looks like. But, like, throughout the whole series, there's people from Kareem. And Finheim. Yeah, exactly. And so does your character ever really... Does your character ever really get a narrative arc at any point in the game? Because I feel like... Yeah. yeah. I think I played a third of the game, and I was like... I was like, if, if this is, like, as much story and as if like if you were playing the original legend of zelda and you didn't have like the instruction booklet to give you like the background oh yeah like, you're just for sure that's that's a great analogy yeah it's like it's just like kind of what it felt like i was like like that, i think that's like that's probably my biggest critique with the game is that like i need like a little bit more oh yeah story you're not, you're not getting that for my game. character yeah. like to kind of push me right. through and yeah I was, like, it's the, I, I, right, you should watch right. some of the Vadi video videos because the lore is absolutely insane and the way they figure out what is happening is insane. Like, it's all about the item descriptions and then, like, the environment, like we were saying. There um, is... There, like, yeah, definitely I, not... Like, it, it feels like you're playing history when you're playing it. Like, you're not playing anything modern, like, story-wise. Yeah, the, the, like, core narrative, basically, of your character is that you're uh, you're the chosen undead who has been chosen to escape from the undead asylum, which is where all the undead go. Um, and eventually, the you know, the, if you're undead, you keep dying over and over again. You lose your mind and you go hollow. Um, so those are, like, the enemies, basically, that you're fighting as you go along. Um, but really, like, all that backstory about dragons and gods and all of that, there's been an age of fire. The fire is, like, what gives everyone it's life and power and the fire is going out and basically you're just trying to link the flame again and, and light the fire and, and fire fire feeds on humanity that's like the tension that's there i guess yeah, yeah. so it's you know all darkness and wielding great power and ages and cycles of history and time and all of that like but yeah the the basic story is you're trying to light a fire yeah although <laughs> there the, what's weird about it is that you uh, so spoiler alert, but at the end, you can either link the fire or you can just leave the room and then usher in the Age of the Dark. But to even know that like that's an option besides just doing it, you have to talk to this guy after a certain boss in a certain area without having talked to like the other dude. Like, There's no way that you would ever figure that out just on yeah. your own, except from like I... 
hours and hours of grinding or people just telling you. Yeah, I played Dart the first time that I played it, which was back in 2020. Um, and I didn't really talk to get get like people's advice on how to do certain things or what I should do. And so I just kind of played it straight. And like I got Solaire all the way to Isolith and then he wanted to kill me. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do? Because I, I like... I had played Dark Souls 3 before this, so I, like, understood, like, the whole NPC situation, which is also kind of, like, very vague and obtuse. Like, you run into them, you have to talk to them and exhaust their their talking options, and then you have to do th- certain things in specific orders, mm-hmm. or you're going to miss them. Like, you need to clear a tunnel in Isolith if you want to get Solaire to help you on the Gwyn boss fight at the end. So, it's like... I didn't know I had to do that. Why, I know, but that's awesome. That? That's awesome <laughs> that they have that in the game, and it's awesome that like there's this community around Dark Souls to figure that out. I I, I guess it's I mean it's cool, but it's also like eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, that is what people generally say about that though. Is that like that was kind of baked into the game where they were like, we're gonna put secrets in this game that people are gonna discover, and over time they're gonna accumulate that knowledge and they're gonna share it with each other, and like there's gonna be this community that forms up around it, like trying to dissect it for every little clue or detail or cool difference yeah. in gameplay. Um, and I guess I guess also I'm missing. So, like, in my re- most recent playthrough, I played through Sif, and I played about 20 hours, um, and it's been, the, the online's been down. So, I haven't gotten the markers on the ground, and mm-hmm. that's a big aspect Yeah, I was just going to bring that the up. The notes, pe- notes people leave on the ground to point you in the right direction. Yeah. So, Chris didn't even get that on his playthrough either, which is, uh, like, they'll, like, point out illusionary, illusory walls. Or no, there, there, was that, there was that in my, there was that in my playthrough. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you played on PS4. Uh, PS4. Yeah, and I was thinking it was like, and I was like, if I was playing this game like years from now, like these things don't exist. Like, I do. I did have a problem with like how unnecessarily vague this game is at times, and it's like I there's like, like I was getting annoyed by because I was like, I was like, the only reason why they're able to be this vague is because they're an already established developer with big publishers behind it if you were like some indie game and you were trying to be this vague like no one's gonna play your game and no one's gonna give it the time of day well but yeah, it's, like, there, has, yeah. there has to be a community like... around it that's the thing yeah like, that's yeah Elden Ring is gonna too. be okay. so fun to play when everybody when it comes out in a couple yeah, of days like it's how do you get a really awesome community around a game that is largely single player like the the multiplayer intention of the game is to get help when you need it it's not really to like co-op through, even though it is super fun and I've done co-op runs. Yeah, I mean, right? You yeah. Know, yeah, I think I there, know. there's something game, to be said. GameFAQs.com like... still exists. I mean, I don't know. I thought that was uh, I didn't really care for that that gimmick, but like, yeah. But it's like it's also like it's like I don't, I barely even know what, like the humanity shards even do like that like the basic stuff yeah. is like is I like agree. unnecessarily. I didn't big. either. I didn't either well, of my first time in Dark Souls. Intentionally, not unnecessarily. Like they do that Playing? with the purpose. Well, I think I think, I think it's intentional but, and unnecessary. I, I was like I was like what dude, is, I was like don't be so full of your own own shit developers that like you have to make even like the basic item uses vague. I found that to be like pretty obnoxious, but I got over it after a while because I don't know, it just did. But like the played, rest of the gameplay is really good, but. I played Dark Souls 3 first, weirdly, in 2016, when that game first came out. And um, I played three quarters of that game not knowing that humanity and being human meant that I could call and help. 
I didn't understand what humanity did in that game. Um, so that and like I was I beat pretty much every boss except for the last boss in Dark Souls Three by myself. So I get it. Yeah. But that it, it goes back to that community element, like the messages that people leave you. There's the blood stains where you can see where people died, like the fact that people had to share lore, the whole in like invasion system too, and like calling people in to help you with a boss. Like it makes you feel like you're, you know, the the way we do on on Discord where we stream Dark Souls and watch each other play. It's like you feel like you're playing with other people when you're in the game. Um, yeah, you could definitely read like the lore as being unnecessarily vague because that's totally how I read it the first time too. Like I, you know, I needed, <laughs> I needed our friend Jeremy who's been on the pod before to like coach me over Discord a little bit to get me back into the game. And I was like, okay, now I'm now I'm kind of getting the rhythm of this and like my brain is thinking about the concepts that they're asking me to think about in the way I need to. Like, got to read some item descriptions, got to kind of scan the environment and like piece together what's going on. Um, so you, you get there. It's, it's, it takes a little time. Um, I get why people are frustrated about it, um, but it's cool. I mean, it we, gives you, it gives you all these years later, these like, you know, pages and pages of lore and like interpretations and fan theories, you know, like the same way, like watching like lost did at the same time. It's like, people are yeah. piecing shit together. Uh, being like, Whoa, look what I found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's very, and then the last season, it doesn't matter. Exactly, and it's all a big smoke monster. <laughs> I will say, I am very excited for the launch of Elden Ring, which comes out in like three days from the beginning of this pod, and I think we all are, because this is my first time experiencing a launch of a Souls game, aside from Demon Souls, the remake. Like, I haven't been into these games when one came out, um, so because I played Dark Souls like six months after it happened and with a community to talk about what's happening in the game. So I'm very excited to, to play Elden Ring when that comes out. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's going to... Gonna... Oh, go ahead, Sam. There's just going to be a lot of interesting chatter in Discord about what is happening without trying to spoil anything. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be cool. It'll be cool for us all to discover the, the game at the same time. Well, you know except for the super players who are going to figure it all out in like a weekend but you know just like with the whole community at the same time like whoa and it's and it's open world in elden ring too in a different way than dark souls so like we're all going to be probably on our own different paths with our own different characters and it'll it'll make for a pretty cool uh story sharing experience like well i found this and found this guy like did you go there it's like whoa no i didn't even know that existed yet Mm -hmm. um it's interesting yeah Uh, yeah one thing that i want to i want to talk about though before because we're already like deep into this pod but we have one thing that we haven't really talked about at all is the and we alluded to it earlier the boss fights in this game um so like boss fights are a big big deal in this in the souls games um and they're like a wall that you have to run up and hit your head against like 20 times before you can start cracking it um but there's some that like stand out that are pretty easy there's some that's that are like excruciatingly hard the first time you play it Mm -hmm. so uh there's a good range in diversity there's some that have gimmicks there's some that are um there's a there's a nice variety and there was a lot of bosses there's like 30 bosses in this game there's a lot of bosses and there's a a lot of surprises within those bosses like for first-time players as well um why the fuck is there a second gargoyle now (laughs) right yeah 
they'll they'll throw some curveballs at you for sure. And like you mentioned the gimmick bosses too. Like there are some bosses where it's like you just fought a previous boss and it was the hardest fight of your life and then you get to the next boss and it's like, "Oh, if I just like do this one thing over and over or like hide in this corner and bash him when he when he turns around, like that's how I win." Um, so it's yep. funny. Like, it's kind of like a little bit of a break they give you and like a fun little, you know, mini puzzle to figure out the boss. I don't yeah, I don't like, know what was going on with me, but I actually never found any of the bosses to be that hard. I found like the the journey to the bosses to be a lot harder, but it's like when I would get to a boss, I'd be like, "Oh, they they have these like big moves that are like super telegraphed." And I always found them pretty easy yep. easy to dodge and it was like you know, everyone kept telling me, like, oh, we get to the Capra Demon, that's going to be, like, one of the hardest things. I, I died more getting to the Capra Demon than I did against the Capra Demon. It was, it was like, once I, like, I think it only took, like, four or five tries to ultimately kill the Capra Demon. And, like, a lot of the other, like, the Gargoyles was, like, three tries. And it, I was like, and I was like, well, oh, one yeah, thing I found, like, oh, is, big, telegraph, big telegraph swings. Yes, besides look at this guy, is you can have a completely different experience <laughs> in this game depending on what build you play. So there's like generally like strength sure, builds yeah. or like dex builds, magic, uh, pyromancy, and like faith. I guess are kind of the the pillars. And certain bosses are just easier with certain builds, and that's also also makes it very fun to go and replay and like try a different build or try out a different move set. Yeah, this game is highly replayable. I will give it that. Um, but some of the bosses like Capra Demon we mentioned is like notoriously difficult. It took me like. On this time, I think eight or nine tries to beat him. Mm-hmm. The first time, I must have taken like twenty-five tries to beat him. Bell gargoyles also is like notoriously difficult, and I just beat yesterday Ornstein and Smo, and they are very difficult as well. But then, because yep. there are two of them, there, yeah. But then you have a guy like Pinwheel, which is like, <laughs> is this a boss? Super like, easy. It just, this yeah. feels like a regular <laughs> NPC. Um, so yeah, there's there's some variety in the boss uh, difficulty. I fucking hate Ornstein and Smo. I'm just gonna put it that out there. Hate them. They're like right at that. I like that they're di- different, but I also hate. They're them. like right at that midpoint of be- the game too, where you like you finally get to Ein Orlando and you're in the fucking big cathedral, and they're like the big boss that you fight. Like that's that feels like the core of Dark Souls to me. Like right, right yep. smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I um, yeah, I fuck fucking hate them. But um, I also didn't realize some of the places that are in Dark Souls are inspired by real life places. Uh, I don't know if you know this. So the um, the cathedral where Ornstein Smo is is uh, based on the Duomo in Milan. If you look it up, it looks exactly the same. It's yeah, I've seen funny. this. That like a lot, like the staircase in Orlando too is based on like a famous staircase. I forget which one, but it's like this like yeah. double helix type looking staircase or something. Um, yeah, pretty cool. So that's very cool. I'll also say too, Beta Chaos is a piece of shit and all RNG and stupid. So that also sucks as a boss fight. I didn't get back there to complain about it this time, but Beta Chaos is awful. All fair. All fair. <laughs> yeah, I could very well see myself uh, just stopping playing this game there and being completely fine with it. <laughs> There's like a way you can cheese it, but it's like very difficult. You have to be very precise with your aim. I, I almost had her on the first try of my second to most recent playthrough and i got i got on the, that log to like run up here and then i got swiped off like what i made the jump here? i did the two things and that was it i'll also say there's there, the other bullshit area like super bullshit area for me is uh the archers in, in orlando uh when you're climbing up the cathedral like that is super hard and you can cheese it i cheesed it this time with poison arrows but i think the first time i played it i didn't really think about it and 
just had him fall off eventually when I was running up there. But that sucks. That that part really sucks. Well, when you when you get good enough too, along with this game, you can employ the tried and true tactic of just running by everything. If you played this game a couple of times, I think <laughs> I think you do run into one of those archers and you have to fight them. But you can like kind of just bob and weave if you know where to go a lot of the times with the enemies in here. Um, yeah. In in regard to the the bosses too, and we were touching on this a little bit with like the different builds and gameplay. Um, but like people have described the gameplay in this in this Dark Souls game to be like very deliberate because you have your health obviously, which you're trying to manage, and you have some tough you know bosses to fight, and you're typically keeping your shield up or or rolling around. But you have stamina for all that too, so you can only like I mean you can add to it over time, but like you have a limited number of swings before you get tired, or a limited number of rolls and swings um, or magic that you're using. Actually, is magic affected by stamina in this one? Is that no? You just get like no. however many uses per spell right. per yeah re- uh, run, I guess. Right. So it's still a limited resource, though, um, in that sense. So, like, you have to kind of... I was watching a video earlier that described it as, like, a uh, like a turn-based game in real time a little bit with, like, you're having to commit to a move and then, like, the, oh, the enemy commits to a move you... and then and it's, like, you're just trying to match move sets and not get hit. And It feels like a rhythm game. Yeah, you can't, yep. button, you can't button mash necessarily. You have to kind of, like, read a boss, figure out their strategy, figure out like what's going to be effective against them. And then you have to just execute it and like keep your calm while you're like, you know, something that's three times bigger than you is stomping the ground right in front of you. Um, yep. It's very it's, deliberate. It's so easy to get greedy, especially at the end of a boss's life and just be like, I can get one more hit in and just like make this quicker, but then you die. <laughs> yep. Don't get greedy. Um, have we talked about this game enough? Do we need, what else do we need to talk about? Anything else you guys want to bring up? <laughs> Let me look at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> just feel like we've talked about a lot. Uh, yeah. Yep. My notes uh, are uh, not useful right now. So one Whoa. last thing I'll say. One last thing I'll say about this game is the weapons. The weapon diversity in this game is great, which lends again to its replayability. There's a lot of different weapons in this game that have a lot of different swings and animations, and heavy attacks and light attacks and roll into the swing attacks. They're all different, which makes um, the gameplay a little bit you know more interesting for every different time you play it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing that I do have now that I look properly. Uh, there's like a whole genre now of Souls-like games, which is pretty dope. Yes. Like this ha- gameplay. Hollow Knight. Loop. Yeah. Hollow Salt and Knight. Sanctuary. Neo. Yep. Mortal Shell. The Surge. Code Vein. Ashen. Jedi Fallen Order. Remnant from the Ashes. Dead Cells. They're all heavily borrowing from gameplay decisions that were in this game. A lot of games. Yep. So that's of, tight. It's essentially made a genre. Souls-like. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a. Uh can't deny that this game has uh, definitely shaken up the video game industry. I can't even tell you how many, even like the new Tales of game. I was like reading views, people are like, oh yeah, this is like the Souls-like Tales of game. Yeah, it's like a meme now to say something is Souls-like. <laughs> it's like, oh, video game yep. came out. I wonder if it's kind of like Dark Souls. <laughs> like, like Souls. I would yeah. say th- this game is probably the most influential game from the 2010s. I think that there's two other games that off the top of my head I can think of that are close to being as influential and it, those are Flappy Witcher Bird 3, and Angry Bird and Skyrim Witcher 3 Witcher 3 and Breath of the Wild not Skyrim in there wow not wow. Angry Birds it's for another day I guess okay I get well I mean Skyrim yeah but I feel like if we played Skyrim now we would feel like it's very dated like yeah, yeah but we're talking about society. influential I think 
Skyrim is more influential than Zelda Breath of the Wild. I don't I don't agree with that whatsoever. Well, um, but we'll we will see in later. the next five years. <laughs> Not even. I mean, 2017. Yeah, Breath. We're, yeah. we're, we're knocking no, on the I door. Do, I just think there's like so there's like um, <clears throat> so the games that were influenced by Breath of the Wild, you'll start to see them now coming out. Or like the past couple of years, so like open world games, I think are going to change dramatically, and I think some of them have already tried to make the changes based upon what Breath of the Wild did. I don't know, man. I do think that it's been a few years since Breath of the Wild has come out, and I haven't seen a lot of Breath of the Wild likes. As opposed to, as don't get me wrong, I like the game, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily on the same tier as as Dark Souls. At this. I mean, I'm oh, even... for sure. I don't think so. I'm just saying it's very highly like when I think of influential games from this past decade. Those yeah, are the I mean, it's up I there. It's up there for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that this game and the design of this naturally lends itself to a lot more different types of games compared to what you would need to do for a Breath of the Wild where you might see that in less games because you can see like Hollow Knight, for example, which is an mm-hmm. indie game is taking from that design. So yeah, I feel like you know, the mechanic of just going to get your shit after you die and not being super far from it and being able to do it fast and just always be playing the game is, is like, really what Dark Souls accomplish. Yeah. You always have games borrowing from each other. I feel like it, like, is, like, cyclical, especially now that we're talking about, like, the Souls-like games, because it's like, all right, well, you have Metroid and Castlevania and Zelda, which are kind of, like, the foundation for games like well modern zelda or witcher 3 or dark souls and then dark souls has all oh. these spin-offs which are kind of a little bit like a metroidvania game in, in hollow knight's case um so it's like it all kind of comes full circle and they're just they're feeding on each other and refining the formula of i mean like, even dark dark souls is adult zelda right exactly <laughs> exactly right yeah. except it's like there's there's less puzzles mm-hmm. but it's the yeah. same the ocarina of time is simple dark souls and even games that aren't like the combat yeah, and even games that aren't like souls like necessarily like you're seeing more games that are kind of borrowing some core concepts at least from the combat of dark souls because it's like kind of a right. cheat code for for making a game a little bit more challenging and, and rewarding now so like breath of the wild borrowed combat cues from dark mm-hmm. souls for so like they're all feeding it it's like a big orgy right. then you have like the then you have like the sekiro other. branch where it's like a little bit more uh you know counter based and uh you don't have a shield necessarily like all sorts of all sorts of offshoots of it um okay. yeah but where my friends where does this go on our endless list of video games which currently goes from number one the super mario 64 all the way down to number 151, A Dark Castle. Last week we added Frog Fractions, which is our current 134. That's our 152nd game. I think this is a top 10 game, undisputably. Yeah. On our list. If, if it's not clear from us talking about it for about an hour now, then yeah, I think it's this is a high tier one. Uh, I think number one. I think this is better than every game on the list. I uh, I tend to agree. I think this is this is a number one, but I'd like to hear I'd like to hear the the group's collective thoughts here. Uh, I, I definitely think this is a high ranking game. You know, I think just again for the influence and you know for how tight it plays. But you know, I don't know. My big thing with it is that I think there are accessibility issues with the game that a lot of these other top ten games don't have. And I'm not saying that like games need to hold your hand or whatever but i think the 
again, the total lack of, of narrative with like your, or story arc for your character kind of combined with like how vague it can be. Like it, I could see a lot of people having the same problem that I had where it's like, you know, I wasted like a night of my life going in the wrong direction and like getting stuck like in some area where I was not meant to be yet, and thinking, but just thinking that's the way it's supposed to go because there's nothing to guide you. And I can see like stuff like that being like a turnoff for a lot of people. Like this is like not like the first video game or even like one of the first ten video games I'd recommend to someone who's trying to get into it. Where I think a lot of these other top ten games have a lot more. Like anybody could probably get into these games. Like more, you know, any any casual gamer. Not not meaning like your grandmother, but I mean like, but I think like the general public can more easily get into these games. And I'm not saying that makes them easier or whatever. I just think there's a much more broader appeal. But that I guess I think, then that, that that begs the question of how much is a broader appeal worth in this conversation? Um, and like yeah. you know the the narrative thing too. Like that's a little bit of a judgment that like a game needs that like very deep, explicit narrative to be a top tier game. Uh, and if it doesn't have it, then that's like a fault. But I think it's pretty intentional that they did this and kind of showed that like, we're going to tell you the story through the environment and the gameplay and the bosses and some item descriptions along the way, but like kind of don't need it. You know, it's, it's a game about challenges and you're in a creepy castle fighting bad guys. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, this game feels not, uh, totally from a gameplay sense, but like this game is very shadow of the Colossus like to me. In, like, yeah. that sort of sense. Yeah, yeah. Story-wise, yeah. It's, like, you know, it's, like, artsy, but, like, you know, it's not, like... It's, like, kind of, like, an almost like an art house game, in a way. Like, you know, it's trying to do something really... It is a very unique experience. I can't deny that, like, Dark Souls I, I, is a very unique experience. Yeah, I think Miyazaki was actually influenced by Ico. I think I read that somewhere, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm but surprised I, to... Oh, go ahead, Sam. <clears throat> oh, no, I just agree that I don't... I understand those reasons for accessibility in terms of like appeal and like who can just pick it up and play it and have a great time. But I think the depth of this game and both like the gameplay, the lore, um, the NPCs and like what you can do in the community around it is just second to none. Um, yeah. And I feel like that depth is really like what makes it shine plus the influence that it's had. I would say that for me, like looking at this list, if, I'm looking at this list just on if uh, do I want to play a game again <laughs> of all these games that are on here that I've played every fucking single one of these games on here. Like the top 10 is a pretty good uh, indicator that I will play it multiple times. I have played Chrono Trigger multiple times. I have played Symphony of the Night multiple times. Resident Evil 4 multiple times. Super Mario Bros. 3 multiple times. The Dark Souls is a game I want to play more of. And like this is a game where... Um, I started playing it and I was like, do I really want to play it? And I got into it and I'm like halfway through this game now. And like, I'm probably going to beat it now. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, that being said, I would probably rather pick up Super Mario 64 or Tetris again before this game, because it's like harsh on my senses. It kind of gives me psychic violence occasionally. Um, so it's while, while it does, I'll give you this. It's like, but like these games. So I've played Bloodborne, Dark Souls, and Dark Souls 3. And these games have give you the sense of accomplishment like no other video game. Like there's no other video game that will give you the sense of accomplishment. But at the same time, I would rather 
I 100% is Super Mario 64, and I would rather go back and play that game again. I'd rather play Tetris again. What a, uh, that's where I am. What about, but, like, Metal Gear, but, Metal Gear Solid, eh. Yeah, what about the psychic violence of Super Mario 64's camera, though? You know? Like, that that, that takes a toll. I don't think it's, it's that not bad. that fun. <laughs> if we were on like, a camera, as I just walked away from finish that Capra redeeming fight, I said, this fight isn't even that fucking hard, but this camera's bullshit. It's like after half your time, your camera's like but stuck you can move it. You can move it. Yeah, with but your once thumbstick. you realize what's happening, you can just get around it. And it also, 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 the, it's not also like the you walk time. through the gray fog it, and you get slapped the second you walk through the gray fog before it, you can it even doesn't, react. Like Super Mario sixty four feels clunky. It doesn't like. I do not think it feels. clunky. I think it feels very off. clunky. Like I feels, think like the directions of the jumps are difficult. Dude, try platforming in Dark Souls. Well, it's yeah. not a platformer. For one boss fight? <laughs> um, I think there's like um, intentional clunk with the way you handle in Dark Souls, which I think is by design. Oh, yeah. So like, I don't yeah. no, I don't think you handle clunkily. I think that you have to understand what a move does, and it behaves very predictably. And that does not happen in six, uh, Super Mario sixty four when you're like jumping I, around. Well, there's some, like, enemy moves that will just, like, auto-lock on you even though you're halfway around the, the enemy. Um, so that that can feel clunky at times sometimes. Yeah. And I will say some of the bosses are absolutely bullshit. And some of the enemy placement in Dark Souls is absolutely bullshit. Not like, like, going through it once and, like, seeing that he's there and popping out and being like, oh, he's going to attack me. Well, it's a troll. That's fine. That And then you can get around that. But some of just the placement of the enemies is, like... What the fuck were you thinking? Like, the archers in Orlando are, like, number one for me. It's like, but this is just dumb. But there's not problems with Super Mario 64 and, like, the design anywhere? Like, it's perfectly designed? No, oh, no, I, I, I won't say that, but I think it's a better game. Well, I, I was going to ask. Maybe a, a notch better. I was going to ask, uh, like, so you're talking about a game you'd rather pick up, though. But, like, I was going to ask if that corresponds to, like, it actually being a better game. Because Tetris, I mean, Tetris is Tetris. I personally, right. having remembered when we ranked Super Super Mario 64, we ranked it pretty early in the podcast, and I don't remember that we all uh, did our homework and played the full game before we, we ranked it at the time, too. And also, it was just a shorter list at the time. But in my mind, I feel like Super Mario 64 gets a lot of, gets a lot of credit for being one of those first early 3D games on a system where we were all kids and had it, and it came at a time when 3D gaming was really starting to explode. And then also just like, so yeah, it set the tone. It obviously influenced a lot of games that came out after it. But like, it has a lot of historical weight that gives it its like its crown at number one right now. And we've had a whole thing about the legacy of games and like their historical impact, as opposed to like the core gameplay, the level design. Not that Super Mario 64's level design is bad or their core gameplay is bad. But in terms of replayability, I would much rather pick up Dark Souls because it feels like a much more modern game that, you know, sure, it's remastered now, but, like, it, it feels like a modern game and plays pretty well as compared to a game like Super Mario 64, which I do agree, like, feels its age so much more. And, like, I fondly yeah. I fondly remembered it and, like, had so much nostalgia for it when we ranked it. But if I've I've I, gone back and played it since then, and I'm like, oof, man, this is this is pretty I, rough. I, think I don't agree that you feel its, that you feel its age. I, I so... For clarity here, I played it when we ranked it in 2019, and then last year when they had 3D All-Stars came out, I 100% of that game because I wanted 100% of that game. And I think that game is tight. I think it's, in, in terms of its gameplay design, I think that it's the level design is 
par none compared to all of these games in this list, which is why it's number one. And it was very, very, very influential. Um, I do think that Dark Souls is a very good game. I just like, and I like for me coming at this, I knew that this game coming at this list uh, before we got on this podcast, I knew that this was a top five game. I think it's top three game. I okay. I so, just don't. So, I just don't know where it goes, and I think that, I, that you can make a solid argument that it is number one. So um, and so, I, I I would be I would happy to place it there if we can all come to a consensus I, consensus that it's number one. I think for influential, like Super Mario sixty four is definitely influential, but I feel like it's a large part of that is because it was just a very good three D game when three D games were first coming out. It was and, like the first 3D game. And there game. would have been some other 3D, 3D game eventually that was like just as good and did what it did. Like there's still very dated elements in it. Like you still have lives. Why do you have lives in that game? Like Dark Souls completely shifted how like you view, you know, dying and then doing a little loop and being alive and then dying again. And like that's a common thing in tons of video games is how that loop is handled. And I feel like Dark Souls just has much more of an impact than Super Mario 64 on like modernizing how game design kind of works well you didn't really have a control of a camera before mario 64 so that was like the big thing why it was so unique because you didn't like literally the the game that came out a month before that everybody really liked was crash bandicoot and you don't have a camera control in that game there was no 3d camera control before that game really but i think that would have happened just due to the technology like i don't know if a lot of what dark souls does would have happened if it wasn't for dark souls I do wonder if we look back at this game and now uh, Super Mario 64 is 25 years old now, right? So in 25 years after 2011, when Dark Souls came out, are we going to think about it in the same way? Because there will be things that... It's definitely going to feel older (laughs) when it's 25 years old, just like everything is that's 25 years old. I'll happily do a 25th anniversary podcast. (laughs) I would like to pose a little thought experiment here, just in terms of how we think about the list, too, and this debate, and this does not necessarily... This is not, like, my winning argument, but if Dark Souls can't go over Super Mario 64, what game will ever go over Super Mario 64? Because to a certain extent, Super Mario 64 has been a wall since the early days of this podcast. And we had a fun discussion about it, and we all agreed on it. But not everybody who agreed on Super Mario 64 being number one has come on this podcast too recently since then. And I would I, I would say that I, I just I don't know, like, is Super Mario 64 never going to be dethroned? Is that is that our is that our official take on this list? Like. I so I'm curious what could dethrone it if not Dark Souls. I so I don't so there's a part of me in my brain that's like we should put Dark Souls at number one just so we have a new number one. But that shouldn't be what you think. That's about. not what I'm it saying though. Be. That's not what I'm saying though. I'm not saying we put it at number one just to dethrone You're Super Mario. There's no games. No, no, there I'm, are no games better than Dark I, Souls. I'm saying no. I'm not saying <laughs> that there are no games better than Dark so. Souls. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I kind of think Bloodborne's better than Dark Souls, but. That's just me. I, I understand that it's it lends I, I a lot. Think, I, I think, think it lends that's a leads. A, I mean, it borrows so much and it's like owes so much to Dark Souls. So I will give. It. I think the level but design that, in Dark Souls is way better. Oh, than I don't know better. that I agree, but I it's very that, good. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we're talking about Dark Souls here. We're not talking about right. Blood yeah, Lord. that's what I'm just saying. I'm not trying to say that well, I think that Dark Blood Souls Lord will, is number eight, will never will never yeah it should have gone higher. Um, 
I'm just curious. Like, I, this is not to automatically put Dark Souls at number one. I think Dark Souls like deserves to be number one. So I'm arguing that. But I am curious. Like, what what do we theoretically think that could ever beat Super Mario 64 based on the take? Because I feel like the take is often like, well, I just think Mario 64 is the better game, so it can't be moved. And like, I I don't think that I Super I Mario Bros. Three. I think I've Metal laid Gear out Solid, a pretty good Tetris. Good none, case. None have. Well, I don't know that you have. I don't know that I agree I, with well, that. Well, I. I... <laughs> I, I just think it's number one, and that's where I want to put it. And I really hope that you guys would also just put it at number one, and then we well, can go play video games. Well, the one last thing. Well, I was still one. I was still like at thirteen, so. <laughs> like oh, it, I think this is I think this 13. is a great I think this is a great game, but yeah, a lot of this is just my own personal preference. It, it again, it feels like a game where I like almost a game like Super Hot, where I'm completing a challenge, and I feel like I can. When I complete that challenge, I feel very accomplished. And I look forward to moving on to the next challenge. But that, to me, also does not feel like a complete game in the sense when I look at something like Halo 2 or Chrono Trigger, Resident Evil 4, or Metal Gear Solid, like games that almost have like a cinematic vibe to it. And there's like a, I get a lot more out of that experience than I get out of Dark Souls, where I feel like I completed a challenge as opposed to also kind of walking away feeling like, I took part in a story, not just experiencing lore, but I took part like, like in an arc, like that that my characters went through something and I went through it with them. Whereas this is, you know, it's I don't know. I never I never like silent protagonists, and that's well, yeah, that's... It, and that's a big yeah. So I mean, but like that to me makes me feel like it's just not as. I'm gonna bring the, a little. There's a lot of great things about it too, and say that Dark Souls recently won. The ultimate game of all time award at the Golden Joystick Awards. So this this list of nominees this includes Breath of the Wild, oh, Chris's favorite, The Last of Us. So yeah, I was gonna say, I was, like, I was like, come on, I bet, I bet that's on there too. <laughs> Super Mario sixty four, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Halo. For what for, for what it's worth, the on on our all time best of the best list that I have created that has an algorithm to determine which are the best games of the all algorithm. time based upon. Based upon, uh, uh, let's see here. I think there's like, there are 29 different rankings mm. over the course of the last 10 years. Um, Dark Souls is number 37 on that list. But guys, we're it, all friends here. Let's just make it number one. I do see a, play some video games. I, I see another li- game on this list that I think is better than Super Mario 64. So. Uh... What game is that? What game oh, is that? Oh, just look towards the top of the list. Oh, the, the Zelda? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Zelda Ocarina of Time, Link to the Past is personal favorite. Um, Super Mario World, potentially, maybe, probably not. Um, yeah, I think those are like it <laughs> now. <laughs> Although there could be more games, maybe Elden Ring in five years. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I do think this game should go, um, if we can't agree on a number one, I do think it should go at number two. I think number one has to be consensus pick. Well, it sounds like we got two ones, a three, what was originally a three and a 13. So I feel like that more evens out too. Yeah. Although more like Metal Gear Solid or Super Mario Bros. 3 and Chris, Encore I'm gonna, would I'm lose gonna, his mind. Chris, I'm going to throw uh, a little, I'm going to throw a little shade on your vote of 13 here for having played one third of this game. So, in terms, of, <laughs> in terms of consensus picks, <clears throat> but also, also as a uh, also as a statement to perhaps uh, where how I think this game ranks. Now this podcast is over. Like the likelihood of me actually going back to this game is probably very minimal. So, 
Whereas there are other games that yeah. we have played in this top 10 that, like, whether I beat them or not, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get back to that. Or I can't wait to do the next game in the series. I think my, my time with I'm... Dark Souls has probably come to an end with this podcast. I feel like Dark Souls, aside from Tetris, was the only, was, of the games that we've played in the top 10, were the only games that I've considered to in number one. For number one overall, like I didn't think I didn't, yeah, I didn't think Metal Gear Solid Three was gonna be or Metal Gear Metal, Metal Gear Solid was gonna. There, be I feel like one. I remember I there's some conversation about it potentially being number one, even if even though it didn't land, it landed at a strong number two. I remember at the time. So where do we want to put this? Where do we th- do? Uh, do you want to put it at number four? Is that ah, that's number two? <laughs> number two. We just went over this. You yeah. could, Chris, you well, could, you could, Chris, you Chris could. is like gonna put it somewhere. Chris, would, don't be don't, don't be wanna... this guy, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I cannot justify putting that above Tetris. Cannot. Oh that God. is crazy. Cannot. That is crazy talk. <laughs> this is the wildest yeah, ranking is, conversation like, we've this ever. This feels had. Like, a, like pulling a one third playthrough take. Like I, I got to throw a little shade on on this. But like, again, you didn't it, finish it, the game. It, it, you you played a third of the game. You like. And I'm probably know, not gonna. I, I feel I, like I'm probably not gonna finish the game. You gotta invest a little and, bit more. You how, 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 can I, how can I say? Like, how can I say it's uh it's the best game of this list if I'm not even interested in going back to finish it? You know what I mean? Like, so I can't say that. I'm probably never gonna pick up Tetris unless I like somehow my phone is yeah. all fucked up and that's all that works. And I'm taking a shit on Amtrak or something. Yeah, I feel I'm feeling more subjectivity <laughs> than objectivity in this take. Uh, right now can we uh can we uh summon encore in to uh to the, <laughs> this part of the conversation no we can summon joe in <laughs> you. Yeah, should we Actually, we should have what? we should have stacked you know the what? deck a little bit more like super mario 64 that's what we should have done i'm gonna put it i'm gonna put it yeah also of... super mario brothers 3 is really really high because we stacked the deck on it I really like Super Mario Bros. 3. I think it's a great game. I think it's a phenomenal 2D platformer. But I'm going to put in a humanity uh, sound effect right here so that we can call in his help to help us rank. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, praise praise the sun. Chris, Chris, what's your final ranking? And then I'm going to say that I want we'll – just we'll do the average. What's your final ranking? Oh, I mean, my ranking's always been 13. So. All right. I can't believe I contribute to this piece of media right now. <laughs> this is so this is if we heat. all ranked if we all and I I've I've changed my ranking to number 1 of the three of us. If we take that uh average then it's at number 4. It's pushing down to worse. Brothers 3. It's worse than Metal Gear Solid. That's insane to me. Mike, 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 can we over can we overrule this? Can we just I think we've got to we got to overrule this. Like this is wrong. Yeah. I could go number three as a compromise. I, I can live with Super Mario 64 reigning supreme today. I cannot abide a four. <laughs> Chris, can we please put it above Metal Gear Solid? Sure. Sure. Yes. I, I put it on the record, though. Y'all heard where I was at. Well, let us know when you finish the game and we can do an updated take. <clears throat> yeah, if you want us to watch your stream and contribute, let us know. This is This is... I also think, like... This game, when I first started Dark Souls, I was motivated to play it because people said it was really hard and it was an experience. And, like, I wasn't really talking to you guys, like, on the Discord at that point. And I don't think we were – anybody was on Discord at that point where we were talking about this stuff, like, every day. But 
I like motivated myself to grind through the whole game because I realized that it was an accomplishment to do it. And I had my ups and downs. I quit a couple times on Dark Souls 3 when I first played it. But and I quit a couple times when I played Dark Souls the first time. But when you get through it and get to the end, like you are on a roller coaster that makes you feel so proud that you've accomplished something compared to pretty much any game except for other Dark Souls likes. Man, Encore is going to be pleasantly surprised that Tetris has not been moved either. He's gonna, he's gonna owe me a fruit basket. Yeah, I know. Look what you've done, Chris. Look what you've done. You've, you've emboldened Encore on Tetris. <laughs> oh, boys, we did it. It was exhausting. I'm tired. I'm gonna go to bed now. Um, we ranked Dark Souls as our new number three game on the endless list of video games, and. Uh, what is happening next week? Do we know what's happening next week? Is it Max Payne 2 next Elden week? Ring. Elden Ring is happening next week. I mean, this week. I mean, in only a few days from now, Elden Ring's happening. In one week from tomorrow, Elden Ring is happening. <laughs> well, in one week, we are going to go watch a movie. And then we're going to pot about it. And that movie is Uncharted. Oh, that's right. So, right. It's movie right. That is what, right. That's what's happening next week on the podcast but thank you steve this has been exhausting <laughs> yes i am i feel emotionally drained my soul has been drained of soul <clears throat> thank you sam i'm gonna go play dark souls and chris good to be back baby <laughs> smashing your favorite games <laughs> takes a month off to to spike the ball on this one <laughs> you guys want to do last of us 2 next week you want to change things up let's go chris i'm gonna sink a game in the future for you and uh, you won't know when it's coming you won't know when it's coming but i'm gonna say it should go at 13 <laughs> please 90 percent of my appearances on this list have, other, have been other people sinking the games that i like a lot so it's so, true. Uh, so when I, true. When I turn well, around so you're and, saying the problem is you. So when I turn around and I, uh, well, you know, it takes courage to be an individual sometimes. But... <laughs> I think I saw that on the side of a truck uh, <laughs> going down the street the other day. Yeah, yeah, there was anti, you're anti-vaxxer over here. Um, what? Okay. <laughs> wow. How do we let him on the show? <laughs> Bruh, we screen, I got vaxxed vax and boosted. I probably got vaxxed and boosted before most everybody on this podcast. Get him out of here. Get him out. Yeah, you can like, keep Trump shooting me with boosters. I saw, I saw Chris standing on a bridge between Canada and the U.S. the other day. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Oh, did Chris Chris rage quit? Okay.